You're listening to the Opportunity Zones podcast. Get ready to grow your wealth with insights and strategies for qualified opportunity fund investors. And now here's your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. Today I'm joined by Michael Ely, president of Nassau Investments. Mike, it's great to see you. Great to meet you today. Thanks for hopping on with me. How are you? I'm great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me, brother. It's been great to be here, man. Absolutely, Mike. Uh, great to have you here. Always good to meet somebody else in the land of Opportunity Zones, doing some Opportunity Zone development deals. Uh, you're a new contact of mine. I, I'm literally just meeting you today for the first time as of a few minutes ago. Uh, some yeah. of my audience might be familiar with you and, and NASA Investments and some of the projects that you have underway. But for those of us in our audience of high net worth investors, family offices, advisors, everybody plugged into the Opportunity DB network who may be unfamiliar with you, Mike, can you give us a little background on who you are, where you came from, your background, and Nassau Investments? Yeah, so Mike Ely out of Cincinnati. Uh, we've done over over $300 million in, in, in assets, uh, inclusive of apartments, hotels, warehouse, land. Um, and, and now we're working on this uh, deal in Sarasota, which is a ground up construction over 120 million, uh, which is in the opportunity zone. And it's funny lately, a lot of projects that I've had, uh, are in these opportunity zones. So we're just leveraging those. But for me, it wasn't always like that. Um, when I first started in real estate, I failed miserably, but uh, I like to say failure is nothing but a pile of mistakes that we stand on. And through those mistakes, I, I learned uh, the, the what things not to do. As so many people say, uh, did you fail a lot? And I just said, no, I, I really just found 10,000 ways of how not to do it. <laughs> and so uh, we're working on this wonderful project down in Sarasota, and then we potentially have another one with land we have here in Uptown Cincinnati, uh, where we can do some affordable housing as well. Very good. Uh, you learn on the job by doing, right? You got to get your ten thousand hours under your belt. Uh, <laughs> there's only so much you can learn from yeah, reading a bunch I, I, of books. Sometimes I, I wish we could avoid the ten thousand hours. <laughs> it's it's unavoidable. Uh, in my yeah. experience, that's what I've come to learn. At least the books can teach you a lot, videos can teach you a lot, but you got to just learn by doing sometimes. Um, so, Mike, I want to talk with you about your Opportunity Zone strategy, what you're doing in Sarasota, Florida in particular. Uh, but first, I just wanted to kind of recap yeah, what please. Opportunity Zones are for I my know, audience. Everybody, everybody would really like to learn about these OZs and what that's really about. Exactly. So, And, and for your audience uh, as well, Mike, who may be unfamiliar with Opportunity Zones, essentially it's a tax incentive, a federal tax incentive that was created at the end of 2017. It's a place-based incentive. So there are over 8,700 opportunity zones all over the country uh, set at the census tract level. And if you invest into one or more opportunity zone locations, as long as you go through a qualified opportunity fund that complies with the legislation and some of the IRS regulations, as an investor who rolls over a capital gain that you may have triggered from the sale of real estate, sale of stock, sale of privately held business, any type of capital gain, take that capital gain within 180 days, roll it over into a qualified opportunity fund, you get the following benefits. 
One, you get to defer recognition of that capital gain until December 31 of 2026, essentially an interest-free loan from Uncle Sam. So no tax bill due until April 15th of 2027. You'll sometimes hear people refer to the 26th date or sometimes to the 27 date when the uh-huh. actual tax bill is due, right? Secondly, you get to, as long as you hold that qualified opportunity fund investment that invests in assets within these 8,700 plus opportunity zones all over the country, as long as you hold it for at least 10 years, you get to exit that investment completely tax free. So if you have a $1 million gain, can you say say that again? Completely (laughs) tax free, Mike, isn't that great? I think it's the greatest tax incentive ever created. It's essentially a unlimited tax free growth investment vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's akin to a super Roth IRA. So I'll give you an example. If you invest a million dollars into an opportunity zone fund, let's say at two and a half X's over 10 years, Right. So you come out um, with uh, $2.5 million, right? Um, yeah. That's a $1.5 million capital gain that you would normally right. owe a whole bunch of money to Uncle Sam. Yeah, right? what is uh, that, 30 45%? Uh, it's a, yeah, yeah, something somewhere well, in that, that range. Well, that depends be. on what it is, like, yeah, but still. It could depend on your state rate as well. Many yes. of the states around the country also comply with the program, right? But. Um, you can avoid yourself a, a, a six-figure tax bill, at least, in, in, right. in, this, in this example. By the way, one bonus that, uh, that uh, also gets passed along to investors is that if it's a real estate project in particular, and the real estate project takes depreciation, normally mm. at the end of a holding period after you've taken depreciation for 10-plus years on any sort of real estate investment, <clears throat> the IRS will tax you on depreciation recapture, like all that's that right, depreciation that you took, eventually that tax pill comes home to roost. With an opportunity zone investment, however, there is no depreciation recapture. So you can take that depreciation oh. all along the way. And in fact, right now under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there's some bonus oh depreciation. Gosh. We won't get into the specifics of that, um, but you can you can depreciate uh, you you essentially depreciate that asset on a accelerated schedule. Um, That's, really I was just going to say that, like, can you just imagine you do a cost seg, you accelerate it, yep. and you take it five, seven, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. It is. It absolutely is. So uh, we, we did an episode on cost segregation, bonus accelerated depreciation. Uh, I did that with the folks over at Plant Moran, Jeremy Samples, and Valerie Grundusky uh, a little while back. I think it was, I don't know, at least six or 12 months ago. I'll link to it in the show notes for this episode. We won't get into the details there, but suffice it to say, it can really help reduce your tax bill even further. And there's no depreciation recapture when you do go to sell. If you're a real estate investor, you probably have heard that term depreciation recapture before. Um, But if it's, if it's new to you, just suffice it to say it's, it's yet another huge bonus savings on, on your taxes. So Mike, that's a little bit about opportunity zones. Uh, I I told you I'd give you my 60 second elevator pitch. I think it was probably more like four or five minutes, (laughs) but one, one more why do you think people and I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but <laughs> that's why right. do you think they like this over 1031? Like what's what's better or what's you know, what are some of the benefits versus the 1031 versus the uh opportunity zone? Oh, there's a lot of similarities, obviously. There's it's it's both are great capital gains 
deferral mechanisms. But there's a couple of key differences. One is, and this actually is in favor of the 1031 exchange, so I'll kind of do the reverse okay. answer to your question. The 1031 exchange in some ways is more flexible because it's not place-based. You can invest yes. anywhere. You're not locked into uh, these 8,700-plus census tracts, whereas in Opportunity Zone, you have to invest in one of these locations, right? Okay, so that's one of the downsides. Um, but the benefits are uh, to capture the full benefit of the 1031 exchange, uh, you have to wait until you die. Essentially, the, the full benefit is for your heirs. Upon death is when your investment gets stepped up to fair market value, right? With an opportunity zone investment, you don't have to pass away. You just have to wait that 10-year period. Um, that's right. <clears throat> so that's that's one huge benefit. Another, benef huge. another benefit is, um, frankly, it's just a little bit easier to do, especially if you just want to be a passive LP investor. You just accrue your gain, and then you write a check to a qualified opportunity fund manager, and you really don't have to think about much for the next 10 plus years. There's one additional form you have to file with your tax return, just pass it on to your CPA, they'll handle that. Whereas with a 1031, you have to jump through some hoops, you have to work with a qualified intermediary, You have to, there's a certain time frame for identifying you know, one or two or three different properties. Um, the, 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 the transaction up front is a little bit clunkier and, uh, and more burdensome, I think for the investor. Um, yeah. by the way, another key difference is, <clears throat> and this one is really important to understand, uh, a, a qualified opportunity fund investment has a, a special place along the risk return spectrum. It is a riskier type of investment that is going to typically produce or expect to produce a higher return. And what do I mean by that? Well, in order to be an Opportunity Zone fund, in order yes. to be a qualifying investment, it has to be either substantial improvement, so very heavy mm -hmm. value add, or ground up construction. And that does just incur more risk. A 1031 exchange, typically you're, you're, you're exchanging into a property that may not need as much work. Maybe it's already cash right. flowing, right? So that's another distinct Existing. difference there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So oh, Mike, I'm curious, and we've gone through kind of the, the pros okay. and cons of OZs. We've gone through the basics. What drew you to opportunity zones in the first place? No, I mean, quite frankly, the word says it all. It was the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But let, let's say the key thing is I I provide a service. Yes, I love real estate. I love deals. Um, but overall, I'm providing a service. I'm helping investors uh, get to their investment destination, you know, and it just so, you know, I act as a bridge and it just so happens that I have multiple vehicles uh, and that's like coaching apartments and hotels. And so we saw an asset that would be beneficial for our investors or any particular investors. I mean, it's in the Sun Belt. It takes up, you know, where 50% of the population is down in the Sun Belt. It's growing. Uh, it's a very strong market. It's a destination area. And, and they provide, you know, high returns. And so we saw this project said, let's go for it. And but one of the things in our due diligence, we found that was the opportunity zone. And, and, and all these things that you shared, I mean, people will hold it. We'll do cost tag. We'll do accelerated. And these people can stay in these deals. This is an asset. 
uh, we'll call a trophy asset that you really don't want to sell. So this would be an ideal uh, a property where people can wipe out their capital gains, hold a, a, a class A asset and prime downtown Sarasota, which uh, this project, you know, you can see the bay where as soon as you walk out, um, uh, you, you're literally in the life of downtown Sarasota with the restaurants and pedestrians and, and business. And so, you know, that's why we want it. And, you know, it, it's great returns. And so we really felt that this, and not only that, it's a transformation project for Sarasota. Literally, it'll be a connector for continuing downtown to further out of, of that, that neighborhood. So, you know, I just really, really believed in this project and I knew it would be great returns. And it's, you know, it's kind of hard to do. I, I know me pushing it a little bit, but it reminds me of owning sports teams, right? You remember when like sports teams get in and, um, you know, they bought the sports team for a hundred million, 200 million. And now it's worth a billion dollars plus. Now I'm not saying this hotel and bill is going to be, but I see projections like that, uh, for a, a project because of the area and the growth and, and how Sarasota's grown and how people are flocking to the Florida area. No, it, it, it sounds, you make it sound incredible. Uh, I want to dig in there a little <laughs> bit more in a minute. Hoping we can kind of back up, zoom out a little bit. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about Nassau investments and in particular, what, what, what's your, what's your overall investment thesis? What's your strategy? Where are you building? You have a portfolio of hotels already. Can you tell our, our audience, uh, what you've already developed or what's in the works? Tell, give us a little sneak peek, uh, at your, at your portfolio of hotels already. Yeah, so we we've you know I bought some hotels during COVID. Um, so overall, I'm a, a value add guy, you know, because look, I shared earlier that I I failed, and that's because I I was over leveraged. I I paid uh, kind of at retail, and I was in an area where we didn't have high appreciation. In Ohio, it's kind of the last place everybody goes. Like Mark Twain always said, look, when the world ends, I'm moving to Ohio because I already know what's going to happen there, right? And so <laughs> I liked, you know, because I, I like to get deals where we can create value, right? I don't want to get a marginal deal because that's what hurt me back, you know, 20 years ago. And so no matter what I want to do, we want to force depreciation, whether that's pushing rents up or creating more revenue for the hotel. And if we can do some construction uh, to push the values up, that's what we want to do. I, I, I'm not the guy that wants to get into a turnkey uh, a vehicle asset and hope that uh, it appreciates over time. Because, you know, like California, New York, those places can do that, but you got low margins. And then if we go through a market shift where they get crushed. Well, when I do deals, we go through a market shift. Yeah, I'm upset, but I'm not mad because we had so much loan to value. Like, uh, you know, let's say a small deal of, you know, 10 million and, uh, you know, we bought it for six million, seven million, and so when the market changed, you know, if we can't get ten million, I think we're going to be okay at eight, you know. So 
that's why we like to do deals like this with a lot of margins or where we can create it. And so I've done that through multifamilies of where we did numerous deals where we would buy kind of low income areas and literally we come revamped. And I, and I will say uh, we were able to catch the wave. Like when a lot of people were losing things during the great recession, I started buying and we watched the wave. We saw rents literally jump from $300 in the last, you know, those five, six years to $900 to a thousand. And so that's how we won. And, you know, we were in these for, for, you know, I mean, I know this, these are crazy numbers, but literally we were buying stuff for 4,000, 13, 20,000, you know, 20,000 a door being all in for 25 and then selling for 60 and 70 a door. So we had a lot of great wins. And so, uh, we wanted to accelerate and that's how we got into hotels and we're kind of coming through at the end of our first cycle of these set of hotels as well. No, that's great. Uh, you bought at the bottom of the market, the, those, uh, those residential doors, probably what were you buying those in probably Oh nine or, or 10. Um, Absolutely. So, so I've always been buying single families. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but then it was fortunate there was a company here uh they they were called the model group which is now um uh, i forgot bricks brick something uh but they had the the one of the largest portfolios of low income housing so i ended up working with them as a realtor slash broker and i got to see the back of the office hmm. back of the house and I saw all the developments they were doing. I saw how they did the low income tax credits. And from them, they gave me an opportunity. They gave me my first 28 unit deal. That was a low income tax credit. And I knocked it out of the park. And that was the beginning of me kind of being these low income areas and learning how to manage. So you bought at the bottom. That's good context. If you bought at the bottom of the market, uh, those single families, and then fast forward, 10 years later, you see what's going on with hotels. Hotels are getting killed because they have to shut yeah. down during COVID. Is that when you started buying up hotels about 2020 or 21? Yeah. So yeah, night, I think courtyard was the first one. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I said, I had this goal. I was going to buy a whole bunch, but we ended up only buying four. I like to create B hags, big, hairy, audacious goals. Sure. And, uh, we was like, we're going to buy a hundred units, a hundred <laughs> hotels. And, we only got four, so I don't know if that was a failure, but I like that failure. Hey, I can, four is I better than zero. You did yes. something, right? So, um, and so when we we got that, I will say going through that cycle, I really, really like extended stay hotels. Uh, that that kind of matches my personality. It, it matches my thought process because you know extended stay is basically apartment that you can rent just a smaller footprint. Sure. And man, I, I've learned, really understood the sales on how to put heads in the beds and connecting with a lot of economic drivers in the neighborhood. And so because of that, we've been able to really, you know, create a lot of revenue and occupancy uh, for those deals. And so, um, you know, we're starting to get offers unsolicited. So I'm like, you know what, let's, let's have at it. You're doing something right, it sounds like. No, so you as you as you buy a couple of good things you're doing. You're buying at the bottom of the market for these different sectors, and then you're also, um, I guess, you're buying 
assets that are a little bit worn, need a little bit of work. So you're cleaning them up, maybe fresh coat of paint, new carpets, yeah. the like, and, and then you're able to increase the, uh, the rent or the, the daily rate in the case of the hotels. Absolutely. Is that, that, is that pretty nothing, much it? Is that the gist of it? Yeah. Nothing, nothing different than buying an apartment. I mean, in apartment, you want to push the rent up. Well, how are you going to do it? You're going to renovate it. You're going to put new carpet, flooring, kitchen, um, with hotels, same thing. Uh, now, fortunately, if not, you may be doing a heavy lift or a light lift because they have what they call soft goods and the hard goods, right? Uh, so soft goods, when you got to do a PIP, a renovation, property improvement, uh, that's typically when you're just replacing the blinds, the shades, the linen, carpet, things like that. Mm. But if you got the harder one, the bigger one, that's when you go into case goods like headboards, desk, chairs, things like that. So- you know, ideally, if I if when we get into another deal besides Sarasota, you know, I would like to do soft renovations. Uh, I think that's OK. I, I did a very labor intensive one uh, with the courtyard. Uh, we got it done. I won't say it was fun, <laughs> uh, but it's done. And uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like those lighter lifts. Sure. Who doesn't? Right. Um, yeah. Well, then, then now Sarasota, though. That's a different beast because this is not Absolutely. a value add strategy. This is a ground up construction. This is a this Absolutely. is a little bit of a uh, of a new type of project for you, if I'm not mistaken. You you touched on why you like this project, why you like the location in Sarasota. What more can you tell us about it, and and how how different is it doing ground up construction versus value add? You know, ground up construction is is much more challenging. Uh, it's it's a financial commitment. It's a time commitment. I mean, you know, before you even break ground, we we potentially have, I don't know, two, three years of pre-construction for a project of this size. Uh, I think if we start looking at this project in 20, you know, you know 2020, I, uh, 21, somewhere around there, I didn't close on the land till 22. And then we bought, we closed on our entitlements, uh, finalized that uh, in uh, spring of 23, like kind of at the end of January 22 and then 2023. So, you know, it, it is time consuming. Uh, and it's a lot of parties. It's a lot of pieces that go with this. Uh, but we have an amazing team. I got my partner, Rodrigo. Uh, he's from Bolivia. He's developed over 18 towers in Bolivia and he moved to the States and, and we got together. We got Cass Construction, which is one of the largest construction companies down in Florida, like over 8,000 apartment units and hotel keys each. Uh, uh, we got Hoyt Architects and, and, and Andre Kukowski out of New York who uh, did uh, the, the, what is that? The, I forgot the, the, the crossings out there. So really, really high level, uh, really skilled teams. Like, you know, this is going to change the way people do luxury living in Sarasota. I mean, it is truly a transformation. Every uh, uh, space was created uh, to fulfill uh, uh, people's desires. Uh, like I say, like this is a pace of opulence uh, and, 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 and it's going to be an amazing project. 
And we've been selling condos. We already sold uh, six of them, and now we're going into our our main season. Uh, so, you know, we we can look at potentially breaking ground. Uh, we could be ready to break ground here in, in, in March, April. Uh, but I think we're going to wait just a little bit for more sales, and uh, interest rates are going to be dropping as well, so we want to take advantage of that as well. So. Sure. Well, you mentioned interest rates. That was that was leads me to my next question, which is, what have been some of the biggest challenges of raising capital for this investment, for actually getting it started, uh, and and has the current interest rate climate caused you to pump the brakes at all? We had an yeah, unprecedented that, rise in interest rates over the last eighteen months. How has that impacted you guys? You know, so when we first started, you know, it was before all this, like interest rates were like four, even 2%. Yeah. So when we started the project. I remember. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Um, but then, you know, I started noticing, it was in 23, we're just kind of looking around. I saw equity groups just literally jump up. Like I had people like, okay, I'll give you some money. And, but, you know, instead of that eight, 9%, you know, they, they jumped at 12 and 13. I was like, whoa, what are you doing? I said, okay, I can do that here or as meds or something. And, you know, they, they, those are ways to work it. But, and, and we had such great margins on the deal. It can work if we have to. But, you know, that, that's one of the things where we like, you know what, let's kind of pump the brakes in. And the reason for that is, we pump the brakes like we continue and wait for the rates to drop. Now, I don't think we're going to get a substantial drop, but we'll, we'll get a nice drop. And two things happens there. Um, one, we in, by waiting for rates to drop, instead of spending that on interest, that comes back to us. So that's more profit. And then on top of that, we have condo, we'll have more condo sales. And because of our condo sales, that goes in deposits. And in Florida, we are allowed to leverage those deposits mm. to do the construction. So guess what? Instead of going out and raising more capital, I wouldn't necessarily call it free, but we got capital that we don't have to pay interest on, right? We don't have to capital that we have to pay debt on. So that makes that project even more profitable. So you know, those are kind of the things that we're working on uh, and, and to really have success in this project. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, you've been mentioning the condos. What's the breakdown for this hotel? Some of it's permanent residences, condos. It's it's part condo, part hotel tower. Is that right? What's the, what's the breakdown, though? Yeah. Uh, so we got, let's see, 35 condos, 120-key uh, hotel, 4,500 square feet of Retail, we're going to have a high-end luxury kitchen with a branded chef and uh, a parking garage right in the midst of that. So and actually kind of three sections of this. So you have the condo component. Well, start off the retail garage in the middle, hotel here, and then condo on top. All right. Awesome. Well, if you're uh, <clears throat> if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see that next to Michael, he's got framed from broke to millions michael you're the author of that book from broke to millions can you tell me and my audience a little bit about it and where we can go to get the book yeah so you can get the book uh you go to from broke to millions.com but literally i detailed 
uh, my story, how I went from broke to millions. I, I started off uh, with a two family and literally I didn't have any money. I had bad credit and uh, I learned these techniques on how to do no money down deals. And I bought that and, and I was living rent free. Now people today call that house hacking. So back then I just say I'm living free. And so from there I started acquiring more real estate, but I was using these techniques where I over leveraged. So I lost everything like three years later, literally everything was in foreclosure. Uh, and then, but my, my God sister, I'll never forget. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. And, but she showed me these techniques where I could do short sales. And from that, when I lost everything, as I detailed the story, I would come homeless, but I then used these same techniques to help build my wealth to over a million dollars in like five years or less. So literally I went from homeless to millions and I share with people how I was able to do that, how I've raised money, how the, the, the good in the deal, the bad in the deal, how to raise capital, how to analyze the deal. And we really educate people because what I really want people to do is find success in whatever they do. You know, because when I started, there really wasn't any groups. There wasn't podcasts like this. The only way you got on the show is if you paid a lot of money or you got on a major production and nobody could hear everybody's voice and everybody has truly has a story to share that can uplift somebody and take them to another level. And so I just wanted a, a way that I could share information with people so that they could grow and that they can obtain just a dream, whether they want to acquire two units or a thousand units. I wanted them to know that it was possible for them. So who's the book for? Who should get it? And how can they get it? Yeah, so go to FromBrokeToMillions.com. Whether you are a beginner or experienced, whether you want two units to live free or a thousand units, this book is for you, and it will help you take you to the next level. Uh, multiple people that read this book, uh, I got one of my students, Tim Vest. I mean, literally, he was he went from the C-suite. He left his job. We had multiple people leave their job. Matter of fact, he left his job. Uh, he was not doing well in other projects. We shared him these systems, and now he owns over 1,500 units. He did that in three years. Um, we had a, uh, what was she, uh, anesthesiologist, a riverbank. She left her job, is doing deals from Alaska to all over. Uh, we got people in Canada. Literally, he went through a divorce, lost everything. Now he's got over 600 units. Uh, so, you know, we're helping people all over from not just in the U.S., but in other countries as well. Awesome. That's inspiring, Mike. Uh, and congrats on the book. And yeah, please do head over to FromBrokeToMillions.com to learn more and to get your copy if you're interested. Um, Mike, I'm just curious, uh, we've been talking about Opportunity Zones throughout the course of today's episode. Just wanted to step back and ask yeah. you a, a really high-level question. What broader trends do you have your eye on with regards to Opportunity Zones or in particular Opportunity Zone development deals? Yeah, I'm, I'm just really sitting back. It's just, I wish I could say I had this big thing about OZ Zone, and it, I really didn't. It's just something that kind of fell in my lap. Hmm. It was just opportunity. I just happened to acquire the right pieces of property and, they, and and not even looking for it. Like, 
I just knew these areas were areas that was going to be redeveloped. And so I bought it. You know, people were losing some of their property, so I bought it. And and now in those areas, like the the one in Uptown, they're redeveloping that whole strip. Like the un the university and the hospital are putting literally a billion dollars on the street of development. And I'm right next to it. And I'm like, well, why not? But I was like, hey, where how can we really benefit where everybody wins? And they said, hey, if you do some affordable housing, um, we'll give you some grant money. I was like, well, that makes it pretty fun. Yeah. And then we'll also help you with a line of credit because we need affordable housing. And then they said, and by the way, we're in an opportunity zone. I was like, well, what else? What else is there to go? So <laughs> people can we helping people. We're putting people in homes. Uh, we're getting enough subsidies to help. And then um, uh, uh, and investors benefit all the way. Like now that's a service that I love doing. And and we'll be doing the same thing in Sarasota. I mean, we we leverage this this opportunity zone. Multiple people will be employed. Investors are winning, uh, and we're creating multiple stories that help not just transform financially and and architecturally, but uh, uh, spiritually and 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 for families and people in the community. Oh, that's great, Mike. Uh, I agree. Opportunity Zone's doing a lot of great work, and one other thing you pointed on, pointed out that I kind of caught on to was uh, it's it's possible to stack a lot of different types of equity and and tax credit and subsidies within Opportunity Zones. Oftentimes, so if you're a developer, or you're a fund manager, and you're you're trying to get something done with Opportunity Zones, you know, also look at those other different types of subsidies: affordable housing or historic Absolutely. tax credits or local tax abatements, yeah. local subsidies, different types Absolutely. of grants. There's all sorts of <laughs> ways to get your projects. I don't think you missed anything yet, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, this has been great. Um, really appreciate you joining me today. If any, if anyone on our, uh, if any member of our audience, high net worth investors or advisors uh, want to get in touch with you to learn more about your Sarasota project or anything else you got going on at Nassau Investments, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, you can go to Nassau Invest. Uh, that's www.nassauinvestinvests.com. Uh, you can go there, or you can just finally go to LinkedIn. Um, you can go to LinkedIn and find me there as well. Uh, Mike Ely, or it's under Michael Ely under LinkedIn. I'm out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And, uh, but there's my website as well posted there. So, uh, if you're interested in, uh, joining our, uh, investment group, Hey, just click on the link and sign into the portal. Or if you just want to get some education, we got plenty of training, whether you want to be an active or passive investor, we're here to assist you. Uh, just like Jimmy, you are as well. I mean, this is an amazing program that you have. Uh, and sharing all about these opportunities. So I, I, I thank you and applaud you for everything that you've been doing. Awesome. Thanks for the kind words. And thank you, Mike, for joining us today. As always, we'll have show notes for today's episode. If you want to view those show notes, we'll have links to all of the resources that Mike and I discussed on today's show. Just head on over to opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube 
or your favorite podcast listening app to always get the latest episodes. Mike, again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, you can find us online at opportunitydb.com. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. This podcast is available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and all other podcast listening platforms. Just hit that subscribe or follow button so you get all of our new episodes as we release them. And we'll be back soon with another exciting episode.